0: What's up, folks? Welcome to the latest episode of Marvel Standom, and this is our biggest one yet. We are talking about the season finale of Loki, and with me for all time and always, I have Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard and Den of Geek TV Editors Alec Bajalid and Katie Burt. So this week, we meet the man behind the curtain. Kirsten, why don't you tell us all about this episode?
1: In Marvel's Loki episode 6, Loki and Sylvie confront He Who Remains, a variant of a human scientist from the future who discovered the multiverse, and he explains that he created the TVA to prevent a multiversal war.
0: That is a fair summary, but it kind of feels like an oversimplification, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like This was... um, This was intense and it was intense considering that there's very little in the way of actual action. What did everybody think of this episode?
2: I loved this episode so much. It seems like if you are paying attention to the MCU, you know what direction this is all going in, right? It seems like there needs to be a multiversal war or at least a multiverse. And I think because of that, the fact that this episode kind of leaned more into more of the like character and emotional stuff made a lot of sense because there was never going to be the amount of suspense in that, um, that plot question, I think, as compared to what choices will Loki and Sylvie make and what will those choices say about how these characters have or haven't grown over the course of the season.
3: I told Katie that I liked this episode only in hindsight. I wasn't sure I liked it in the moment. And I think the reason for that uh, is essentially the post credit scene. Because to this point, we have only known the Disney Plus streaming shows as singular entities. Um, WandaVision was its own thing, not getting a second season. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, God help us all if that gets a second season. Getting that simple phrase, Loki will return in season two, establishing this as a continuing story really brought the whole thing together for me. Uh, because if this had ended with an oblique conversation with he who remains and then a weird plan of the apes ending type thing I think I would have felt a little cold by it but knowing this is the first step in a longer journey uh, really solidified the whole experience
2: yeah well it feels like the first of this era of Marvel tv series that takes advantage of being a tv series (laughs) um and I think that yeah for me there's also an excitement in that Alec um This just felt like the first of these, you know, three Marvel TV series that even though the the multiversal war part may have may have been somewhat predictable, it felt like the boldest and the most interesting conclusion so far.
1: I mean, we have talked about it before. How do you make things in the MCU exciting after Endgame, which wrapped up so many stories? And they found the answer in Loki. You just blow it all up. (laughs) <laughs> and and now anything can happen. We can see variant versions of characters who are dead in the MCU reemerge. We can see different versions of characters who are still going emerge in the MCU. There's a lot now on the board for Marvel to play with going forwards.
0: In other hands, multiversal storytelling can really fall apart pretty quickly, but like Kevin Feige and and the team at Marvel Studios if anybody can do this right because like the first thing i always think of now is like ah this is just an excuse for them to do fan service right and of course this opens the door for all of the rumors about Spider-Man No Way Home to be true uh you know and it's like it's like okay well this is like you know, is it really going to be advancing the story if it's if it's bringing characters in from other versions of Marvel movies and TV shows, or is it really advancing the story if dead characters can come back? But like, you just you got to trust these people at this point. Like, I don't know what else to say. So, um, I didn't think I would be so on board with this. Uh, if anybody remembers what we talked about in our early in our early episodes regarding the state of the multiverse in the Marvel universe, I was a little bit skeptical. After this episode I'm not. I'm 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 like totally on the uh you know on the branch timeline variant train.
2: You know, this is something we talked about in a past episode. Um, not really knowing what role these T V series would play in the larger MCU. And I think that's one of the things that's most exciting about this episode is knowing they are like things can happen in the TV show that have such major ramifications for the movies. You're right, Mike, like Marvel has earned so much like goodwill and faith over the last decade plus of of storytelling that it excites me to see them becoming more ambitious in terms of storytelling across different platforms and structures.
1: And it's kind of fitting that they've put He Who Remains, Immortus Kang at the center of what could be an insanely complex story because he is a migraine to read in the comics like my my king yeah king? he's just um you know it's a mess if you start to read about it in any depth so you know maybe uh two two wrongs do make a right I
3: was saying, I'm, I'm so i'm ready for kang time
1: let's
0: <laughs> Kang time well we are we are officially in kang time and we kind of entered kang time oh Whoa. Oh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen watching this show right now, fellow Marvel stands, hashtag Kang Gang when you want to talk to us about this show. Um,
2: but I love that, that you prepared that, Alec. It yeah, took hours.
0: And took the host by surprise. Well done, Alec. Before we get into the implications of who He Who Remains is, um, let's just talk about Jonathan Major's entrance into the MCU here. Does this work for everybody? I mean, this was like. 15 straight minutes of exposition or something like that. How everybody feel about that?
1: I thought he was fantastic. The camera just was slowly pu- pulling, going in on him and then just pulling out again as he was talking. Uh, it was a great performance, I thought, but um, it's interesting because some people who might have had a problem with his performance as a sort of deranged version of Kang at the end of time who's been sat there for millennia or whatever trying to maintain the timeline um, we might when we see him again he might put in a completely different performance as a different variant of himself so um, though I personally didn't loved his performance if you didn't you may well see him be completely different next time anyway
3: it's funny you mention that because he's doing a performance within a performance essentially right Um, this is a guy who has seen countless multiverses probably lived for eons um and if you if you if you watch his uh, major's performance he's cycling through accents he's cycling through accents he's cycling through facial expressions and it's almost like he doesn't know which one to settle on because he's been so many people and fulfilled so many roles for so many millennium uh at first i thought that was uh, before i Glommed onto that. I didn't really get Major's performance, and I love Johnny Majors. He's Johnny to me. Uh, <laughs> he was wonderful in Lovecraft Country, uh, but at first, I I did not really find that appealing until I understood a little bit more about the character.
2: Like I'm so curious about what his performance on set looked like. If he did did it the same way every time, or if he's the kind of performer who tried a lot of different things. As someone who, yeah, is just a critic and lover of the stuff, it's I, I loved it.
1: One moment he was sort of Andrew Scott in um, in Sherlock sort mm. of level <laughs> villain, and then he was sort of Denzel Washington in Training Day villain, and, and then he was just very soft spoken and, and chatting honestly, especially as he got to the end of the sequence.
3: I think the the real version of him, in as much as there is a real version, whatever humanity's left in him is probably what we see, uh, Kirsten, after you mentioned, after he hits the end of time. Like, after everything, um, he gets that notification that we're in the unknown now. I think that's probably the closest we get to real Kang or real Nate, or whatever we want to call him.
2: You know, there is this B-plot that's happening in the episode that... Um, you know, we see kind of what's happening at the TVA and we see Renslayer go into the timeline, um, which doesn't feel like it should be able to impact the end of time necessarily because we see a lot of people moving throughout time and that doesn't have any sort of substantial impact on, um, yeah, this control. But especially with like what's happening with Sylvia and Loki and also just feeling like that character... <laughs> has some real power and motivation to you know screw some things up.
0: We've been referring to He Who Remains as Kang throughout this chat for kind of like effective shorthand reasons. But I imagine that there is like a portion of the audience who doesn't like fully understand the implications of that. Um because in the comics He Who Remains is not Kang, he's a completely separate character. But just for the purposes of this, because everybody's been talking about Kang the Conqueror, including us, for weeks now leading up to this, and Jonathan Majors has been cast as Kang the Conqueror for Ant-Man and the Wasp of Quantumania, but he's never referred to as Kang here, and he's not even credited as Kang in, in, in the end credits of the episode. He is he who remains. But make no mistake, that is a version of Kang, and basically what people need to understand about Kang is the guy has had a lot of different names. It's really headache-inducing keeping track of who he has been at different points in history. But the way that uh, that he who remains kind of lays it out is uh, you know fairly accurate in terms of you know there are other dimensional versions that are kind of you know warring for supremacy here. Um, it does seem like he who remains is like one of the less malevolent Kangs. And they've kind of combined him with a version of Kang known as Immortus, um, who I can't really say too much about without without giving myself a a serious headache. As Kirsten pointed out earlier, the next time we see Jonathan Majors wearing purple, he's not gonna be given the same kind of performance. He's probably gonna be more of like the traditionally power hungry and villainous Kang that people might be expecting out of a potential big bad for the MCU. Yeah,
3: I think it's important to remember that this this guy has many names, but he's the same person. Let's uh. In, in the comics, you would probably call him what? Nathaniel Richards,
0: right? Not no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> I <right>, forget <laughs> that. Like, like he may be like he might be descended from Nathaniel Richards. He might be descended from Victor Von Doom. He. Uh, He mentions here that, you know, some have called him a ruler. Well, he was Pharaoh Rama Tut at one point. You know, he has ruled places as Kang. He says people have called him a conqueror. That's Kang the Conqueror right there. I wouldn't be surprised if even the kind of uh, traditionally villainous central Kang that we're likely to meet in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Pro- like ends up being killed and defeated, and it's like a red herring, and then there's like another Kang immediately waiting to take his place. There is a council of cross-time Kangs that is not only like Kang variants, but it's it's like aliens and <laughs> different people and robots from different dimensions that Kang cool. has like attempted to conquer. Yeah, that has attempted to conquer. I want to meet conquer. them. You will, like (laughs) like he's attempted to conquer, failed, and then they take on the mantle of Kang. This is how totally bonkers all of this stuff is and it's really tough to explain here, but I think the simplest way to say it is the version of He Who Remains that we get here on Loki is a Kang and there will be many more Kangs that we will meet in the course of this with probably one central Kang who is a safe bet to be the big bad of Marvel phase four overall.
1: As confused as some people might be by Kang, He Who Remains and Mortis and all that stuff, I think the MCU is going to make it easier to pass. What
2: decision would you have made when faced with He Who Must Remains, um, or he He Who Remains? I feel like I need to say that in a different voice, like, he who remains.
3: You're getting confused with um, he who must not be named. I
2: know, I have a Harry (laughs) Potter fandom. It runs deep. Um, Yeah, when faced with that choice. And do you think, this might be the same question or not, do you think Sylvie made the right choice?
3: I'm glad you asked, because I did consider it, like, moments after they posed that in the episode. And I absolutely would have taken over the TVA. And not even just because I'm a megalomaniac, which I probably am, but it just seems like there's he mentioned like there's a backup option anyway. If it doesn't work out, then just end time. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, retire from the TVA and go back to entropy. But mm-hmm. I don't i don't see the harm in giving it a shot, seeing if I can be Time Lord better than anybody else can.
0: I think that's kind of the beauty of of the way that scene plays out is that they both have a point. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I don't necessarily trust Loki's motives, even though they appear to be pure there, mm-hmm. but like, neither of them are wrong. Um, and what what I found interesting, and I promise is the last time I'm going to do this uh, regarding this, I did just read the, like, the only, like, uh, proper comic book appearance of He Who Remains, which I will once again add is not Kang in the comics. That's something that they kind of... Uh, that they kind of conveniently grafted on here um but something almost similar plays out except it's Thor and Jane Foster kind of mm-hmm. like like playing out that tension of like do we do we wipe this guy out or not it's like no let's hear what he has to say
2: i probably would have made the same decision as alec but that's more because i'm uncomfortable with chaos <laughs> i think that sylvie's decision i understand why she made it and i think it's it's much more democratic.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I bet if we got Michael Waldron on the phone right now and we asked him what the goal of writing this entire show was, I think he would say that the goal of the show was when Loki says, I just want you to be okay to Sylvie for it to be the first unambiguously true thing he's ever said in his life.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And I think they pulled that off. I I got some Mormon fuzzies. Mm Uh, and that does appear to me to be like the, the the most genuine Loki moment yet.
1: I kind of interpreted it as though he didn't want her to make the same mistakes as he had, and therefore just live with that level of regret mm. um, because he has been living with it, you know for so many years now and has seen how it's played out and doesn't want that for her so it did feel like a genuine moment.
0: What does a season two look like for Loki considering that before we get that we're going to have Spider-Man No Way Home which is going to explore the multiverse um, at least according to all the rumors that we've heard uh, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness which is also going to bring in Wanda from WandaVision who it's entirely possible pulled the souls of her children in from from another timeline, based on the logic of this show, right? That's so, so weird, man. <laughs>
2: right. I love so, like out of co- like just coming in out of context with some of these phrases.
1: <laughs> I wonder whether you can view the uh, post-credits WandaVision scene now as her experiencing the part the moment when the multiverse opens up and her hearing those uh, voices. Ooh, I like that.
0: We should keep in mind that historically, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of unfolds in real time, like more or less a couple of little things here and there, like the movies correspond to, you know, the year that they are released. And then, you know, with the five-year time jump in Endgame, though, now there's like a few things that have to happen Mm -hmm. in order for us to like for our reality to catch up to the MCU reality, you know. Um, so I would have to imagine that that Kirsty's theory here is probably true. Like it means that like all this stuff that's happening in Loki is happening either before or roughly concurrently with WandaVision. The post-credit scene in WandaVision is like definitely takes place almost at that exact moment. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a neat way to look at things, and it's all barreling towards something. I mean I like it still feels like Marvel is saving their bullets for the big screen.
2: It's obviously hard to speculate about what season 2 might look like given we don't even know where it will fall in the sequence of MCU. Um but I do I do think that it might be a safe bet to assume that will at least part of it will take place within the like remnants of the TVA or whatever the TVA looks like. Um and or I mean potentially it's not not safe to assume anything at this point we also didn't spend that much time like jumping through time in this show which I was expecting going in and I don't think that we need to do that um but that is something that I think future seasons of Loki could embrace should should they not have as clear of a plot purpose that's linked to the larger MCU
1: When it comes to my wish list for what I want from season two, number one is to see Casey again Mm. and all the other numbers are also see Casey again. (laughs) (laughs) Casey, are you okay? Text us.
0: I'm a little disappointed and frankly annoyed, Kirsty, that Alligator Loki does not appear anywhere on your <laughs> list. I would die for Alligator Loki. So well, I'm hoping Alligator
1: they're... Loki comes up before season two of Loki. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, obviously a film character. Yeah. Maybe we could get Alligator Kang in the next one.
0: Whoa. Even though they said from the start that these Disney Plus shows would like really matter and really impact the MCU, Loki's the first one that actually does because you could very well go from Endgame to wherever Wanda is in Doctor Strange 2 and it's just like yeah Wanda is, Wanda is still messed up from Vision's death. You don't necessa- like I can't imagine a world where you really need to know what happened mm-hmm. in uh, you know in in WandaVision to get Wanda's story if you skipped WandaVision and just went from Endgame to Doctor Strange 2. And when Captain America 4 comes out, which will feature Sam as Cap, in that awesome cap costume which is the best thing that show did for us. Like what do you need to know? Like he got the shield at the end of Endgame and now he's Captain America. Like nothing else that really happened there is all that consequential. It's like Bucky went to therapy, he's a little bit more at peace now. Like Excuse you don't need to me watch Mike, this excuse
1: sometimes. me. A boat got fixed.
0: <laughs> a boat got fixed. Thank you Kirsten, I apologize.
1: <laughs> I accept your apology.
3: Mayhaps it's the time that we rank these three shows. (laughs) Mayhaps. How about it? We're going to rank it.
2: Alec loves a ranking. Yeah, so number
3: one is obviously Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, (laughs)
1: Obviously.
3: For me, I'd go three Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, Loki, I feel like, is probably technically better than WandaVision, but I don't think in my heart, WandaVision can be unseated just yet for me. I'm going to have to go WandaVision, number one. It's just too good of a fit with me personally. Love that TV angle. The ending was less than ideal, but what a fun experience watching that was for nine weeks.
2: So I'm Falcon. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, number three, I am the opposite of you in the sense that I actually think WandaVision might be a better show in some ways, Like, but my preferences as like what kind of stories I like Loki definitely hits a lot of them (laughs) um so for me Loki is number one
1: yeah I would find it hard to pick between WandaVision and Loki for the top show of these 3 and um, I'm not willing to rank them sorry <laughs> wow. I can't do it right you now I'll re I'll rewatch them because what I like to do is like take some time go back rewatch them and reevaluate because sometimes when I'm first watching MCU offerings I'm so excited and so mm-hmm. absorbing like what's coming at me that I'm not really experiencing it as um as proper, as thoroughly as I could be. Mm-hmm. So I tend to rewatch them.
0: I got to kind of go with the uh, conventional wisdom here and, and put Falcon and Winter Soldier at number three. It hurts because this drew on an era of the comics that I particularly love. Um, you know, it was another show very influenced, like Loki, by the work of Mark Grunewald, who's one of my favorite Marvel writers of all time. I think Sam and Bucky are great, and I love seeing Sam with the shield, um, but the show just didn't quite hold together. It's a little tougher to kind of pit Loki and WandaVision against each other, and I kind of respect Kirsty refusing to do that. Um, but Loki, I'll give, I'll say that Loki had the stronger final act like like not just the last episode but maybe the last two episodes i think it it really brought its story home in a more satisfying manner i really appreciate the fact that it didn't kind of resort to some of the stuff that marvel often does in its final act which wandavision definitely did but pound for pound i got to give it to wandavision it was just it was more inventive it was more mysterious for all the fun that we've had speculating about the stuff that happened here on loki um, I don't think it quite had that buzz and that total. What the hell is happening here that we had in those first three episodes of WandaVision? So I'm giving WandaVision the, the edge here, um, but it's tough. Well, look, that's what we think about the season finale of Loki. And I love that we can say season finale and not series finale, but let's see what the fans are saying. know what you thought about Loki and let us know what you think about the MCU in general and let us know what you think of Marvel Standom. Tell us in the comments. Tell us on Twitter at Marvel Standom or at Den Geek US. Go to denofgeek.com slash Marvel and read our articles and comment there. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to see us cover in future episodes of the show because we will be back. We're going to take next week off and then we'll be back with all new episodes of Marvel Standom, checking out everything the MCU has to offer. So. Thanks for hanging with us. And until we see you again, stand together, folks.
3: Thank you for watching Marvel Standom. We'll be back soon with all the hottest updates from the MCU. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Den of Geek US. Watch us live on Twitch at Den of Geek TV, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Den of Geek. Follow at MarvelStandem on Twitter and submit your burning MCU questions to MarvelStandem at